You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello, it's Lisa Cherney. I am the host of the GFR show and I am your chief GFR officer. (laughs) You know, it's becoming almost on a year from when I had the idea for this show, actually a little bit over a year by the time that you all listen to me saying these words. And I take my role as chief GFR officer very seriously. And when I got the notion to really hold space for people to get real and how it would increase the impact and the income and the joy in their work. I knew I needed a place for people to gather, to get together, to speak the GFR speak and play with the GFR commandments and just have a place to let our hair down. We just, there's not a lot of places like that where we can, as entrepreneurs, not have to have our like, you know, beautiful elevator pitch, says the person who used to teach people how to do that. We get to just come and share how something doesn't feel good, something's not right, how we're going to change something. We confess, we get real. And it's where I let my hair down, y'all. So even though my hair is short, much to my husband's dismay, he really would prefer me to have longer hair, but that's a whole nother show. (laughs) It's where I let my hair down and get real and where you get to be in connection with me and be on the front lines with me. So that's the GFR squad. Come and join us in the GFR squad. It is a membership. There is an investment. It's like a couple lattes a month to join. Go to gfr.life forward slash squad and join us and you will get access to all of the bonus teachings and trainings and juicy things that our guests don't share on the show, but they share after the show. And there's a whole collection of just amazing things that our guests share from like tips for doing live video to how to have a threesome to what to do if someone's being a jerk to you to how to create sacred space in your house. Like we run the gamut and they're all really important topics and they're all very frank and real and You know, you take what you like and you leave the rest. And we have found that many of our members love the bonus content. So this is my little pitch for the GFR squad. And in the new year, if you're listening to this in the new year, 2020, if you want to get to the end of the year, feeling like you took some risk, that you made some big change, that you took the cork off, um, that is what we do in the GFR squad. So listen to the show for sure. Um, Keep it as your steady diet of inspirational stories 
make sure you've subscribed on one of your on a, your favorite podcast app, Apple or Google Play or Spotify, so that you are notified of new episodes. And then join the squad. Those are your two steps for making sure that you are on the road for getting real and getting out of your own way. All right, let me get on to today's guest who really blows the roof off the notion of getting real. And she's been around a long time. Her name is Debbie Dashinger, and she has a show that's in its 12th year called Dare to Dream. And this is particularly poignant for me because I was on her show 11 years ago. Now I realize she was only one year in. I, at the time, one of the highlights for me because I went, drove to LA and I went to her studio. And I have some really fun pictures of me with different hair color and <laughs> 10 years younger, you know, in her studio. And it just was, it was a really great experience for me. And she has grit and longevity in this media business. And she has earned her stripes. And like many people who have longevity in any given industry and they stick around, they've been through it. And I believe they have, you know, wormhole credentials and certifications, you know, out the wazoo. And that is Debbie. And she teaches visibility. She teaches how to write best-selling books. And she does it in a way now that helps people to be more integrated and to really get over their fears around visibility, which I think is something that not a lot of people are, are teaching. They're not really going to the, you know, the inside out part of the job. So there's a gift in our show notes for you around um, the steps for being visible. It's really good stuff. And just a couple of more things about Debbie and her like credentials. She has been interviewed on over a thousand media outlets. And she is a syndicated award women podcast host herself, like I mentioned. She's been nominated for two People's Choice Podcast Awards. She interviews celebrities. She's a keynote speaker. She has three international best-selling books, which she also teaches people. Let's see what else. She's been featured in Broadcasting Industry Lifetime Achievement Award. She has been inducted into the Who's Who Hall of Fame for Entertainment. She's the shit, y'all. She's so great. And she bears it all on this podcast. And she, she calls me Barbara Walters within like the first 10 minutes of the show, which is like the best compliment, not just because of Barbara Walters, who I absolutely admire, but also because I admire Debbie. And that means a lot coming from her. So let me ask you a question that will sort of kick off your digestion of her story and how it might relate to you, is that it's around relationships and whether or not you believe in the one. And, and if you do, if you're with the one or you have had an experience of feeling like you're with the one, has it really opened your eyes to the different possibilities of maybe staying in relationships that are not serving you? So she shares about the demise of a 10-year relationship, you know, how she like uncovered that it really wasn't the one that she thought it was and how it really took her to the, just the depths. Um, she, she talks about how her inner and outer worlds crumbled. And for two years, she really did not want to live another day. And how her puppy, her dog, who was a puppy at the time, saved her. And uh, his name is Shelby. And he's adorable. I got to see him. I think you're going to relate to many parts of her story. And it's going to give you a renewed appreciation for having longevity and just how you can just expect ups and downs. And it's all okay because it's part of our evolution. Without further ado, I want you to meet the great, the wonderful Debbie Dashinger. Deborah Dashinger, welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. <laughs> Sorry, did I startle you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the fuck over it. But I'm actually awesome. I love it. Everyone's like, oh, yay, we get to say fuck right out the gate. <laughs> it's a good thing. The F word is so beautiful, isn't it? it? Oh, yes, it really, really is. 
this is such a freaking thrill for me. I talked about this in the intro, but I just like, I have to tell you myself, like 11 years ago, I went to LA and I was in your studio. I thought I was cool as shit being on your show. And I had still, have, I had pictures on my website. Like, you know, it just was so cool. And I remember who I thought I was or who I knew myself to be at that time. And I just, gosh, I feel like I've lived a million lifetimes since then. I know you have too. And it's just really fun to be back. I get to have you on my show and it's just thrilling. It's thrilling for me too. And it's really true. I mean, this kind of full circle doesn't happen very often. I love the fact that we can weave in and out of each other's lives like this. And, you know, I just want to say, it's really interesting how you said you thought you knew who you were and you were on this track and you did. The truth is you actually did at that time. It's so true for all of us, wherever in this exact moment presently, We are all we know ourselves to be, but, you know, life is constantly unfolding and revealing. And if you're open to growing, there's that too. So the fact that you're here is beautiful. We can mark this moment, Lisa, because in 10, 11 years, when we come back and do this again, hopefully it'll be sooner, (laughs) we'll have a whole new story. Yeah, it's it's quite phenomenal. I mean, I think that's what the show so beautifully exhibits is people's stories and how they do get transformed by life. And so we're here to talk about how life has transformed you. And I just, I really honored that you're willing to come on the show and confess some things that you haven't talked super widely about. And I think it's going to heal and serve and just have a ripple effect that will be profound. So I thank you. Thank you in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to pull back the curtain. You're welcome. All right. So let's start with the before, right? So all of our stories are around these GFR wormhole stories and they have GFR moments and all kinds of cool things, you know, that are, are interlaced. And I always like to start with the before because we just were saying, we think we know who we are, which we do, but it's like, it's like how a parent looks at their kid and kind of knows like, oh, you think this not getting an A in this class is going to be the most terrible thing you've been through. And, you know, so we have this vantage point, you know, so now you have this vantage point. So I'd love for you to, to go back, you know, like six, seven, eight years and kind of give us the Debbie Dashinger sort of, you know, who you were and what success was like. How did you define success and, and those kinds of things? Hmm. That's a great question. I think mostly I define success. Well, career has always been important to me. I think that's just going to be a lifer. It's really important how I make my living, how I express my gifts out in the world, how I utilize what I've been given for good for other people. I just feel like that's always probably besides freedom going to be my highest value. Outside of that, love is tremendous. And so for me, that's all about relationship. And back then, I was in a situation where I was like, oh, I found the one. I think that's actually, it's a problem to think that way. Okay. And I may be ruffling some feathers, but I'm telling you, I have a different point of view now. Well, you know, I'm all out on my show about our not my non-monogamy and how like, I don't believe in limiting love. So you're not going to ruffle my feathers. And, (laughs) And there's like the one, even just one at a time. And there's a way to illuminate that as a concept, you know, all the way through to, you know, more than one at a time. So I would love to hear what you want to contribute to that conversation because I think it's important. 
Yeah, and I've been all over the map with that too. You know, and, and this is my coming out party. I have never said this. <laughs> and certainly not in a forum like this. Confession within first five minutes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Walters woman. <laughs> but you know, I also, I shared this with you personally, and I am very strong in my belief that there's one face that a lot of people feel safe to show on the outside. And that face, forgive me, but it often has a lot of judgment and criticism. And when it comes to sexuality, it's rampant. Oh, she does this. Oh, she does that. And I grew up with a lot of this stuff. It was, it really was difficult for me because I was a sexual kid and I was adorable too at the same time. And so I had all of this going on and a lot of hormonal stuff. And it was very difficult to navigate because if you stepped into too much sexuality, you were a slut. If you were holding back, you were something else. And it was all really um, confusing to me. And uh, that played out a lot growing up. But the point that I want to get to is I played in some of these camps. I was once upon a time married. We made a choice. And at the time, I thought it was excellent choice. And I am still to this day so grateful I made the choice that we wanted to be, the word we knew then was swingers, because I had seen every one of my relationships, I got to a certain point where sexually I was, my eyes were wandering and I didn't want that to keep happening. And I felt like it could be a lot of fun if two people agreed. And I have to say the things I've heard you say, I am in complete agreement with, it can make the sexual relationship you have with your primary partner unbelievable. I mean, it's surprising what can go on when you've been with somebody else and it's agreed upon and you come back. So we had that. There were other things that ended our marriage. That was not it. But there were other definite incompatibilities. So then I got into a relationship with the one. Yes. And it was so fast. I had so many, especially men in my life, even my hairdresser saying, take a breath, girl. Like you just got out of a 10-year marriage. And I didn't have breath in me because I wanted so much to be with somebody and find the one. And as fate would have it, I was on, you know, some app and it was fairly early on in the dating that I met someone and he really pursued me. He was incredibly charming very successful in the music business. And we had a lot of compatibilities. And I really, at some point within the first, I would say several months before I said that first, I love you, it's like, this is it, man. Like, I've never had it this good. This is great. And it's everything I've ever wanted. And you know, 10 years later, nine and a half years later, that relationship where we lived together, we, our lives were completely entwined, you know, families, friends, what we did together, traveling together, etc. Before you get to the, to the, what you're about to say, can you also give us the parallel story about where you were professionally at that time and how that looked? Happy to very different than where I am now, somewhat alike, but so much has exploded since the demise of that relationship in the best way. Yes. Pieces ended, lot that's opened up, a lot of clarity that I've gained, and a lot more ease in what I do, a lot more understanding and ease in what I do. Beautiful. I definitely want to hear more about what you learned. So let's just give, so that we can appreciate more about what you learned. Give us a picture of what the business, the career looked like, and kind of like 
oh, I thought I had it all, right? I had this, this, and this, and this is, you know, this is what made me feel successful, right? So, it's, so we know when you share the after kind of how different it, it was. And two, because of our listeners, they're in, you know, very much possibility that they are in your before, right? And are looking at their life and thinking, I should, right? This all looks, you know, and I should fill in the blank and they don't, right? And, but that confession is so buried, you know, they can't even see it because it looks like the way that they thought they wanted it to. So how did your life look like before it sort of, you know, the curtain was, or it was blown up or whatever metaphor you want to, you want to insert here? I would say that when I coached people before, I was much more in my head, you know, much more about you do this, you do that, and that's the recipe. And where I'm at right now, I couldn't be less in my head. I am so about the energy. I'm so about knowing what I know for that person. I'm so about letting stuff come through me, you know, really just being the portal, if you will, for the information somebody really needs to change up their life. And yeah, before there was a lot more thought process. And that's a weird place for me, like looking back, because I'm such a heart-based person, that's not my strongest suit, right? Do you feel uh, like, like you were living more in your ego or how would you categorize? Huh. No, fear. Fear, great. <laughs> fear. I yes. really wanted to give people so much, like I'm so aligned with over-serving, which is great. I'm still all about that, but I'm so aligned with making sure somebody gets something that before there was some fear that got me in my head that was trying, like if I could stay a couple of steps ahead of them, I could really coach them well. Today, I got nothing. I come in and I just know what's going to come through me. That's a great distinction because I think a lot of business owners will over-deliver, will undercharge, will, you know, and it's not in service of the person. I feel like sometimes they get less when we don't charge what we're worth and they get less when we like, you know, fire hose them. And there is a fear of like, I'm not good enough. It's not good enough. They're not going to get what they paid for. Like, you know, I think that's a very important thing to illuminate. There's definitely a mantra today that says, I know that the exact right clients always come to me. And if that's so, then that means that when I, somebody says, what do you charge for book writing, for coaching? Here are my two choices. Oh, okay. That's it. You know, you can choose that or join a class, which will be less money or- before were you more discounting? Oh my God. <laughs> Tell us, what was it like before? <laughs> I mean, I bet everybody can relate to this, but it's the worst feeling because it feels like you're being punked, right? You're on this phone call with somebody and the truth is they could be a millionaire or they could have nothing or they could be somewhere in between and you have no idea when you're putting out your numbers and here's what I deliver, where they're at. Are they actually even wasting your time with this call and they're just fishing? Or are they actually interested in moving forward and they're in earnest? What do you charge? I love what you're delivering. Let's do the damn thing, right? It's a very awkward position to be here. So I used to do that dance a lot. You know, six, seven years ago, it was like, okay, this is what I charge. <laughs> like, a question mark on the end. <laughs> is this what you want to pay me? <laughs> it's a sliding scale. <laughs> it's kind of uncomfortable. Oh, sliding scale. I, so I want everyone to stop doing sliding scale and I want y'all to stop. Oh, what's the other thing? Doing betas or whatever excuse you put on the thing to not charge the full thing. Stop it. <laughs> Yeah. Or the other one, and I, this was another one I used to do, which is it's this much, but 
<laughs> I'm like a, the worst car salesman, but if you need a discount, it's and it's like, you know, that's so silly. I really believe also in being paid so I want to show up. Yes. Do you understand? I because do. And I'm, some instances, there's not enough money in the world for that's me. exactly right? And I've heard clients say, oh, there's like, a, what's that funny expression? There's like a tax for being a pain in the ass, you know, <laughs> paid a tax or something. I'm like, no, no, there is like no, there is no situation. There is no, not enough money because it's not just that. They suck your energy and they, yeah, I can, yeah. You're making me go in my soapbox. So you're well, this is great. I'm, I'm grateful for everything you're bringing up because you're reminding me too of all these intricacies for sure. I would have taken someone's shit before. I would have just done it and gone, man, I need that paycheck. And I got to tell you, that is not so. Again, I really attract magnificent people. And that mantra alone, that really serves me. So you yeah. know who I attract. Yeah. But I did have... Was it last year? It might have been last year. I had two situations with people. I was doing an anthology book, and one of my clients, OMG, oh, it was bad. And she was out of control. And then I had a book client, same thing, very concurrent. And I got to a point where complete detachment. I'd ask myself some questions Can you lose this paycheck? You bet your ass. How will you be if this person leaves you and badmouths you? Like, I wanted to go really base in yes, love. Yes, all in the worst case scenario, right? Let's pick, pull up the scary monsters. Yes. And yeah, if they badmouth me, yeah, no problem. I have a really good reputation out there. I earned it. And you know what? If that's their choice, that's their karma. So I went down the list of the worst of the worst that could happen. And my ire was so up, my sense of value and worth, and, and really a how dare you. I work so hard. I do such a good job, but you are blocking all the goodness. And I knew it was about their anxiety. I was clear it had nothing to do with me. And I was clear I didn't have to take it, right? Didn't have to mean that was my problem. Right. And so I absolutely, with a lot of energy, but clean communication, let them know. Not okay, not going to happen, not on my watch. Here's what's going down, and here's what the options are. You decide, but not me, not anymore. Awesome. And I was really prepared. I, in fact, I was pretty sure of the way it would go and that they'd leave in a huff or something. One but can it, only hope. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens, right? We set our boundaries and we get really clear, and I believe people self-select out. That's what I believe. If we are in our integrity and we are... Like we hold our ground, you know, people, they will self-select out. That's what I believe. Yes. And they have every right to, because that's a vibration and I'm vibrating up here. I'm not going down to that, but I will tell you, I feel the universe was gifting me because in both circumstances, each person took a pause and came back and said, I am so sorry. Wow. You're so right. It will never happen again. And that was tremendous for me. In yes. Building my business and having an even higher vibration of who I attract and what we allow and what we create together. So I feel that, you know, all of my sense of value, worth, who I work with, how I work with them changed. The things I open myself up to, I mean, it's just night and day. There are elements that are the same, but, you know, I do feel a bit like the phoenix that came yeah. out of the ashes and all of it's new. Yeah. Okay, so we've given people a glimpse of the before. They're hearing the benefits of the after. 
So let's talk about the blessing that was your GFR wormhole with this relationship with the one. The blessing? So can you explain I'm being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. Well, I'm not being sarcastic, but I'm sort of being sarcastic. I kind of pulled you away from sharing. So you were saying like you had this relationship for 10 years Mm -hmm. and you thought this guy was the one and, you know, he swept you off your feet and you didn't say that, but those are my words you know, and he was super successful. And then there was a point where it changed. So take us through what happened. Yes. Here's truth. So this is easy today because back then when you're in the mire, it's not so easy. The truth is there were red flags. The truth is that periodically he would go into a deep darkness and then suddenly break up with me. And it was so utterly confusing to me. Plus, I had a really, I had great training, right? (laughs) So that means I came from a pretty fucking dysfunctional family. And I learned to dance really fast. I learned to be the best at. I learned to, you know, also like check out an entire room. So I knew exactly what was going on with everybody. So if something was going to go down, you know, I could duck for cover. Yeah. The best I could but which was not always successful. But I also learned that it's my fault, right? That's not true today, but back then that's what I learned. So I would take on the mantle of whatever was going on. So when he went into these places, I knew it had to be about me. And if he's the one, we better change. I better change whatever I can to make this work because this is it. Right. My God, what a lot of pressure. So I'm burying things at the same time we're moving forward and burying things. And I'm watching over the nine and a half years, slowly, this separation. I no longer want to go play golf with him anymore. I've lost interest. He no longer wants to go with me. I'm a member of Screen Actors Guild. He never wants to go with me to the movies anymore at the Directors Guild. I am losing interest in these constant visits to his family. So we're separating over time, but I'm still in complete denial. I am developing the most amazing relationships with my friends. Thank God for friends, but I'm becoming incredibly close with them. And of course, it really is in a way is an interesting sign, not that I maintain that level of friendship, but that the supposedly primary relationship is really on the down low. And there's less and less, and he's watching television more and more, and he's starting to drink more and more. And, you know, really, again, for someone from dysfunction, oh boy, did it bring up the stuff, you know, trying to get someone to AA and get better and if only and, uh, and avoiding and um, disliking and tusk tusking on my part and all of it. Very Al-Anon behavior, frankly. And it What's just Al-Anon did- for people that don't know? Yeah. So it is a 12-step program for people who have a relationship with somebody who's an alcoholic. And it is the program that shows us all the ways that we enable and we allow and we put up with and we become less than citizen to allow someone to do something and how we stay with somebody throughout some pretty amazing behavior. And that is exactly what happened to me. I stayed, boy, Lisa, oh my gosh, it's so deep, but God, this is one of those crossroads, like how deep do you go? Oh, this is dark night of the soul stuff, really? Uh, I mean, I stopped being on Facebook because I couldn't, I couldn't even talk or show up, um, you know, that's like such a, it's like Disneyland for social media. 
And I was not living in Disneyland. I was living in that crazy character from Lord of the Rings, you know, who wants the special. <laughs> and it was really dark. Uh, so what happened was I woke up one morning to the phone ringing. And because he worked in film and television, I don't know why this thought, but you know, who knows why the divine works as it does. I thought, oh, maybe he's being called in early and he needs to know he was still asleep, which was not usual. And I literally just picked up his phone. I did miss the call, but instead, shockingly, it opened up to these emails that went on ad infinitum between him and a woman he had gone to college with. And I knew they had lunch a few times. What I didn't know is that for the past uh, three plus months, they had been having this very sexual affair. And the words, you know, it's the kind of stuff you don't want to read about what they were doing to each other and what they were longing for. And it was so shocking. I remember we had this little Indian chair, this beautifully made footstool uh, chair. I just sat there. It seemed like forever I couldn't move. The shock, I knew this was it, but didn't want to accept this was it. And when he finally- This was the end. It was the end. It was the last nail for sure. And- He came out of the bedroom, woke up. I don't know, maybe I was there for hours. And when he did, I handed him his phone to show him. And you can imagine a lot of different responses, but his response was to attack me. And he said some really fucked up things, like really shocking in that moment. And I think even in that moment, I wanted him to say, oh my God, I'm such an idiot, I love you. Thank God he didn't. Thank God he didn't, yeah. You know, all exactly, all these things that in the moment are just so soul crushing, like Humpty Dumpty, I don't know how I'll ever be put back together again. And you see everything crumbling. And I knew in that moment, I'm going to have to figure out how to move out, get my stuff. We just got a puppy. How am I going to go live on my own? It was so unthinkable. I think also going from a long marriage, being alone for just a few months into a very long relationship, the idea of being alone itself was mortifying to me. And I took a long walk. I called my best friend. I told her she cried. I didn't. Took a long time for the tears, a really long time to come out of the shock. But, you know, then the next phase began figuring things out, how I was going to move out. The next phase, and I'll be very honest, it's, my friends still joke with me. Um, she, my friend Siddiqui saved me because I couldn't find a place to live for about four months. And what I didn't know is that when you're an entrepreneur and you fill out a form to rent or lease a place, they say, oh, you don't get a weekly paycheck. We're not going to bank on you. I didn't know this. So I, I'm like, how are you turning me down with the money I have in the bank? So she showed me the ropes and the ins and outs, but unfortunately it took four months. And in that four months, the degradation of still living with somebody in different rooms now who is still having an affair and God knows what else is that his alcoholism increased. I'm sure my being there did not help him. And he started smoking. The puppy was subjected to that, which infuriated me. I know he had hookers come up to our penthouse And I know he was talking about doing a lot of other really illicit sexual things in our place. And I was, it was awful. And when I finally moved out, I had just barely been here and moved in. I got a call from him saying, you have to come, you have to come. You're the only one who has a key. I blacked out and I don't know what to do. And I was so pissed. 
And I know a million people would have said no, but damn it, I was the only one with the key. The doorman wasn't there. And so I drove over to a scene that most people shouldn't see because this man had been so drunk. He had fallen on furniture. There was blood everywhere. His face was banged up. He lost teeth. I mean, it was a nightmare. And I called 911 and I sat there hating him. I even hated him that I was the one who was there right? to have to rescue him. And hating yourself probably too. Yeah. And it's bittersweet because part of it is I will always innately have a really good big heart. And I know that's a gift. I know without a filter, that's a gift to love like I do. I also know it's not a gift sometimes to give as I used to give. I don't necessarily anymore, but I did hate him, myself, the alcohol, what had happened to us, how deep it had gotten. And that with how awful he had been to me for so long that I was the one showing up. And, you know, the end of the story in that phase anyway, is that like a month later, same thing. He was at the gym. He was working out. He passed out on a bike, had to be carted off to UCLA hospital. And I was the one with the keys. And I went in, you know, can you please bring my computer and my this and my that? And I'm just like, I didn't know what it was going to take. But, you know, again, detachment, guy may have to die. He didn't, by the way. But, but I will say that on top of everything I was going through and the shock I was living through for a really long time and all what my journey was going to be, yeah, it was very difficult to still, even in those moments, and I'm being so honest, still, because I loved him so much, to want him to say, I'm an idiot. This will never happen again. I love you. Please, whatever it takes. And it was not going to happen. Yeah, it is amazing how we can keep going back to something that we know is inherently bad for us, hoping that some magic wand will happen and it will be good, you know, or the person or a situation. And like I said, thank God he didn't, right? Because it turned you back to yourself, it turned you back to your own healing. At what point did you go to Al-Anon? Were you already, because of your childhood, already involved with Al-Anon? Or did this get you into Al-Anon? I mean, I'm a huge believer in 12 steps and the power of the 12-step program. I had been for 17 years in OA and 25 years in CODA. And we so have I, the OA thing in common. I forgot about that. Yeah, you yeah. and me, Lisa. I mean, yeah. really, kindred yeah. like spirits. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I have a lot CODA. of that. For those who are listening, our code is Codependence Anonymous, which is, how is that different from Al-Anon or is it sort of- Quite different. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite different because you don't have to have someone in particular to be there. You can just have the behaviors. Right. Um, It's really about learning the independence of self. Who am I? Because right now I feel like I'm everyone. I feel everyone. I'll take care of everyone first. There really is about separation and learning who you are and what um, not- Co, meaning joining with others, but instead being dependent on oneself. It's a deep program, but Al-Anon is predicated that you have a partner, a family member, a friend, a colleague at work, somebody that you're in relationship with who is abusing alcohol and is having impact on you. So it's quite different. I will say I didn't go very long to Al-Anon. I went a couple of months and um, hearing what I heard was very helpful. What my real healing was, without a doubt, 
you talked about gifts and I'm trying to remember if it was when we were speaking personally. I think it was when we were speaking personally. So yeah, I'll be more clear. I was given so many gifts because I, my mama was very unhappy. I was not loving my life. I didn't love who I was. Things got so dark. I literally was, why am I waking up? I fulfilled so much. I've got this great show, Dare to Dream. I've created all my dreams. I'm done. Like, I don't know what else there is to live for. I am, I'm out. The universe showed up for me in the form of healers of every form. I would walk into a room or a workshop and a very, very, very profound gifted healer inherently would walk up to me and say, hi, my name is, and we'd introduce, and she or he would say, I apologize. I know you don't know me but I've been guided to come tell you that I'm going to work with you for about four months and I'm gifting you with all the sessions. And I'm like, and so I'm clear sentient, I'm clear audience, I'm gifted in my own way. So I know a healer, a real healer. And I would be very clear about who was talking to me energetically. And of course, my answer was to receive and say, yes, I concurrently had healers working with me. And as if that wasn't enough, I received a phone call one day, and I remember looking down at my cell phone. It was some 800 number, which I typically wouldn't pick up. And this man said, he was from my medical insurance company, he said, listen, we have this new program. We wanted to reach out to you, and we just want to have you fill out an intake form if you're interested. And if so, then we'll have you work with two different therapists twice a week. (laughs) Wow. So you had therapists calling you, you had healers coming to you. I got full body chills, by the way, when you're talking about the healers coming up to you. Wow. True story. And when I took the intake form, the first week I spoke with the therapist and I got four months of free twice a week therapy, the therapist said to me, look, you know, you turn up on your intake form incredibly functional, but the one thing that I need to address with you is it says you're severely depressed. And just Lisa, that one thing, just that one little thing. <laughs> but you know, it, it is, I mean, isn't a characteristic of people that are depressed that they could really put on a show? Like people may not even know, right? Yeah, I was pretty much a hermit anyway. So besides not being on Facebook, I wasn't being on a whole lot else. I will say nobody's ever described me as that my whole life. And I've certainly never felt oh, that so she, my whole life. So the therapist used those words. It wasn't like you filled that out in your form. That was the first time you had heard somebody describe you that way. And that was followed by, and we strongly would like you to go on some Wellbutrin or something. And I'm like, again, total judgment, like who takes that? You know, that's this and this. I was in such a dark place. I was like, honey, you you show me the path. I'm on it. So I did. I took the white pills for for a couple of years until I was done. And yeah. It was a journey. It was a really long journey. And here's the very interesting thing. I mean, I can look back today because of the place I'm in, you know, having stability, security, safety is huge for me. Huge. Money's a big part of that. And if I don't have that, it's not good. I don't like it. I really like to feel- I don't like that either. (laughs) (laughs) And so concurrently, I was so- massively shut down, that my business shut down. And it was not something I went seeking like, oh, I'm in a bad place. Don't call me. No, literally, I was trying desperately to drum up business. But whatever signal I was giving off energetically, I mean, I couldn't do a nothing. 
I was living on pittance. I literally never knew if I was going to make even rent. I was on food stamps, Lisa, just to get by. Yeah. It was so, so much, you know, there's the heartbreak, but there's the financial burden. There's the, are we ever going to get out of this? And God, I don't want to live anymore. And it's kind of all too much, to be honest. When they talk about one moment at a time, I mean, it was like a mega, megabyte moment at a time. But just, you know, thank you. Because I used to be so mad at God, goddess, like, how could you not give me money in the midst of this, damn it? Like, if only you give me money, like at least one thing would be solved. This is too much for someone to bear. I was so pissed. And I always thought it was the most ironic situation. Clearly, I was being loved through the whole thing. Clearly, I was not alone. And clearly, they were saying, but all your energy needs to go to this right now. Right. Right. And right. it's healing. Yeah. And for me, I have the same sort of money core thing, or I'll say had, I'm going to try to put it in the past, had the same money core thing. And what I got recently, very recently actually was, because I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give up. I'll surrender. I'll be in the flow because that's, I know what's going to make me happy, but show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the universe was like, no, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Cause you're actually not going to get it. You're not going to get the surrender. You're not going to get it if you have the money. Right. And then it was amazing to see the shift of when I finally freaking said, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll, you know, we're, right, go to that worst case scenario, we'll be on the street, whatever, but we'll figure it out because I'm done with my pushing and striving and trying and guilt and like all these things that motivated me that felt that created so much stress. Mm. Right, I'm done with that. So that's it. All right. Okay. I give up the money too. And then the money came uh, and the money keeps coming. And it's interesting the thing. Like you talked about security, some people, that's their thing. Like, what is the thing that needs to really not be there? And for you, it was like multiple things need not to be there to bring you to your knees, to, to pop you out the other side of this GFR wormhole. And, you know, being with you here today, being on your show, seeing you at the recent event that we got to see each other, like you're obviously out the other side. You're on the backside of the waterfall, you know, if you will. And what is it that you want to share sort of in our final minutes here with the listeners around the true blessings or sort of the divine design of your experience that now is serving you today in your work and in your life? Mm, so many things. The first thing, so many things. Oh gosh. Okay. First of all, I have today people in my life between having been in the shitty relationship towards the end and establishing those deep especially female bonds, sister bonds, they are so prevalent in my life. I have, I think, friends I've always dreamed of having. Like chosen family, right? Kind of feeling. The tribe. I really believe in that, chosen family. The sisterhood's deep, you know, and it's with people I look up to, they're influencers. We have the most incredible, fun, deep conversations. It is a dream team. So for sure, I have that. I will say that I spent those two and a half years healing. I wouldn't look at a man. I mean, I couldn't. I had no capacity anyway. I actually felt like, you know, who would want me? I'm this old. I'm this da-da-da. I had a, a litany of why nots. And it's funny how often I could go into that place, and it doesn't matter what evidence I had otherwise. So I was mindfully two years, I'm a healing, that's it. I don't know if a man is ever in my future again because, and not just am I worth that. It's like, 
is a man worth that? Because I've been through a lot. Right. So there was that component. So the healing major, major, because when I started dating again, man, did I come from, I love being alone. Like I'm really digging my life today. This happens, doesn't happen. In fact, I would rather just date for a long time because I'm digging this so much. As it turns out, someone magnificent came in my life. I mean, you know, because your friends are crazy about him. They're like, oh my God, don't fuck this up. <laughs> this is a great guy. <laughs> and I can fully be me and, it's, and we have fun. I mean, it's, it's a great relationship. And I want to be clear, in case anyone's going through a bad time, I feel so much compassion because when you're in the soup and people try to say, oh, it's going to get better, you know, time heals all, all these platitudes. Let me tell you, when you're in the dark night of the soul, it, it's like Teflon. It really doesn't absorb into you as hope. There is, it's pretty hopeless, to be honest. So that's not helpful. But I can honestly say now, I mean, hindsight is, you know, at least 2020 to know that all of that muck, if I hadn't have taken that journey alone on my own for as long as I did, I would not be where I am today. And I'm so bloody solid. I mean, I'm so solid. And about what self-care looks like or doesn't look like. My business has exploded. It's changed massively and in directions that make me very happy because I'm able to use my gifts for good and attract people for services they really need. That works. And I'm constantly growing, like really opening myself to the call of the wild, if you will. And so I shared with you that one of the things that happened fairly recently for me is I was doing some plant medicine journeys. I, and that was something, again, like the white pills, right? Same kind of thing. Lots of judgment. For like other people, that's for other people or that's, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't even get it. And then, bonk, you know, when it comes, it comes. When you're called, you're called. Who knew? but I was, and it was massive. It was unmistakable. And when I went and did it, I was given very clear information about who I am in a way. I, I'm still ingesting the information, but it's very high-end healer shaman stuff. And so I know enough, you can't avoid this stuff. Your life won't work out. When, you know, when, when the divine is saying, excuse me, there is a piece and parcel you need to be aware of because this is actually what you came here to do. Now, here's the beautiful thing. I do visibility work, right? I coach people how to write books. I take books to a guaranteed bestseller. And I teach people how to be interviewed on radio and podcasts and get results. That's awesome. There's the visibility, there's the tech and the strategy, and then there's the inner, deeper visibility wound. And some of my greatest gifts, like I can teach people all that and they go do it and they're awesome. But some of the greatest gifts of my working with people has always been this inner healing work around visibility. So when I'm given this piece of information, it's profound because I'm thinking like, wow, my path is just never over. It's this, I do not ever live a stagnant life. It's ever unfolding. And to be given this, you know, my mission, should I choose to accept it? Right. That means what I can offer to other people, no less myself, because the healing always starts here first, this is going to be a game changer. And I love the fact that I can embody a niche that I don't think anybody is doing, not in the way I'm talking about. And God, I would love to help people be healed the way I have been helped around, and in this vein, visibility and who they're 
really are and what they really came here to do and be. Woo! Yes, I love it. And you could not embody and offer that and put that out there with such clarity had you not gone through what you went through to first see yourself right? And live for yourself and embody your own wisdom and healing and all of that before you could then be outwardly focused. So it's such a beautiful, tie it in a bow for the moment, (laughs) you know, wormhole journey of, okay, this is my journey. And now I need to help other people where like, you know, your old biz was visibility, the new biz is visibility, but damn, (laughs) you know, it's a whole different level, a whole different uh, perspective layer that you're adding. And I think it's super exciting. Lisa, can I tell you one final tidbit that just popped in my brain? Yes. So about three weeks ago, I got a text out of nowhere from my ex. Interesting. And it was super friendly and just a couple of lines, but of course, very shocking for me because we haven't really had much connection at all, mindfully so for me, for many years. And so boom, there's the email. But I said to myself, rather than it was shocking, which it was, girl, you've done so much healing. And the reaction was like, you know, on the Richter scale, not up, not down. It was just sort of level. Like, isn't that interesting kind of level? Isn't that interesting? Ah, oh, that's a goal. That's an awesome full circle moment right there. When you can, and we had lunch, you know. So we, we had, had lunch? lunch together. We had oh, lunch. God. He wanted to meet for lunch. His father, his father had passed. He wanted to get together and talk about it. And I didn't know because honestly, there was a part of me that was thinking, "Is he going to apologize? Is this is going to be an amends luncheon? Is this going to be, you know, I have no idea how this is going down, but let me be open to it and let me not need to know everything. Right. And then not be attached to whatever. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yes. It was nothing. Not that. <laughs> it was not that. <laughs> and you know what I realized with his not apology, his narcissism still very much intact, his great looks and charisma still very much intact, and looking as great as he was considering what he had put his body through. He's been sober a year and a half. Yeah, almost two years actually. Yeah, I have to say I walked away from that. It was like, is there resentment? You didn't get that? No. Is there this? No. Is there that? No. It's like, no, I'm pretty clear. That's done. That's done. I'll tell you one little piece somebody came up to me. I was at a workshop. I was speaking on stage and they did these really beautiful breakout groups and they had different subjects for the great breakout groups. And one of the subjects was forgiveness. Thought I'm going to join that group. And this person was leading and speaking about forgiveness. And I, I kept raising my hand and saying, yeah, but what if that happens? What if that happens? And what if, you know, you've done all this work, but there's still, (laughs) yes. And the woman who led this talk came up to me afterwards and she does prison work in Canada. And she said, I want to tell you something very interesting that we will take prisoners who will not have the opportunity to speak to their victims and let them role play to get it out. And we'll also take victims who can't get in front of the perpetrator and have them role play. She said, I would be happy to explain to you how it's done because I'd love to see you get a full healing. Wow. So my best friend was also at this workshop and I looked at her and I said, girl, <laughs> can, we, can we do this? And she said, yes. And we sat at her beautiful home on the beach together and alone. And I let it rip and I got everything out. 
And she did, I got to say, she sort of channeled his energy. It was a little uncomfortable. And we went back and forth in this conversation. And I knew when we did that experiment, how incredible it was for both of us, for many reasons. What I really found out was having seen him just a few weeks ago and having that complete, that was the full healing. That's what completed everything and allowed me to be with him and say, there's nothing here. And for that woman who was so sure, you are the one, this is it. How could I not? I look at him and it's not even existent. It's more, wow, how was I that? So that for you. Yeah. Great compassion. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, GFR commandment number 11, which mm-hmm. is embrace that you're not the same person you were when you made those mistakes and they will not repeat. Amen, sister. Right. Wow. Right. And, and, you know, the confession question is what past mistakes are causing me self-doubt now, which is just an invitation to inquire. I did a Thanksgiving episode where I talked about some of the past mistakes that you know, have caused me recent self-doubt or self-doubt in my journey. And so that's what I'm hearing from you. Just a beautiful healing story, Debbie, for you. I mean, just thank you for bringing us full circle to just a few weeks ago lunch with your ex and for you to just be able to really, like you've seen yourself differently, but then to now kind of have that old mirror there and then to just still see the same thing that you've been seeing, you know, with your strength and your certainty is just beautiful. And I can't wait for people to get more connected with you around your visibility work because you are wormhole certified girl and you're going to help so many people now. Just like with my marketing, I used to you know, there was so much of an inside job thing happening and now I'm really owning the inside job part of it, you know, and I see, you know, you really holding space for that inside, that internal transformation that does then create fortitude for being visible. So I'm super excited for what the future holds for you. Yep. I have a voice today. I live out loud. No going back. Awesome. Thank you for being here and for your beautiful vulnerability and authenticity and transparency. I am so grateful that for that gift that you gave us today. Thank you for the platform. I have to say this was deep. And, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just grateful that I went there, that I went, I plunged with you. You I, totally I'm, did. You totally did. Awesome. <laughs> and that is the formidable Debbie Dashinger. And she is chock full of knowledge. And what she wants to gift our listeners is her top strategies for hot bookings on radio and media. So there's a link in the show notes. And she has 12 years experience, y'all, on people reaching out to her wanting to be on her show. So she shares what gets her attention, what turns her off, what turns her on, all that good stuff. So make sure you check that out. And make sure you subscribe to the show which is so cool about podcasts, unlike radio where Debbie started, is that you can simply go to a podcast app like Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone or Google Play if you have an Android and Spotify, and you can search up the Get Fucking Real show or my name, and you can click subscribe, and then you will actually get notified, and automatically you'll get drawn into the app these awesome episodes so you don't have to miss anything, and you can keep yourself with a steady diet of GFR and inspiration. And if they could do it, you can do it kind of mojo. So make sure you subscribe. And then if you're feeling it, would love some love 
on a review on any of those platforms. You can give it a star, you can give it a thumbs up, all the different ways you can do it, or just go in and write a review for us. It really helps boost the visibility, and that's our theme for today, of our show and gets in front of people like you that are doing awesome things in the world that might be sometimes getting in their way or slowing themselves down and really need a GFR. So thanks for doing that. If you're a fan of the show, subscribe, write a review. It's greatly appreciated. All right, until next time, over and out, y'all.